Rachel. Yes, Andy. Sam. Yes, Andy. What's the best thing you ever saw? Hello and welcome back to Best Thing I Ever Saw, where we savor and digest a cinematic taste test of far out proportions. Thanks to Dylan Stratton for our theme song and Leah Sardarian for our thumbnail. Uh, let's get into the podcast. Let's do this. Are we comfortable saying our names? I meant to maybe ask beforehand. We, Taryn and I, we took the plunge. We say our names at the start of, uh, I don't know if I didn't see if either of you su- subscribe to Best Thing I Ever Chainsaw. I got to look at the analytics, but feels natural to go into or go from the salutation to the roll call, but that's just me. Well, it's just your name that we don't know at this point. What do you mean? Because he said, hey, Rachel. He said, hey, say, Rachel. Hey, Sam. And you say, yes, Andy. Yeah. Oh, oh so yeah. We, we all, did so it. Check, names. check, check. So check, well, check, I mean, check. just never mind. You get two name outs. You, you're doing great out of this equation. Well, we do the same thing on the on the horror show. We just say our full names, and it just feels it feels like a a more complete introduction. That's all. I don't know. Can agree or disagree. Are you guys frozen? No. No, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I'd prefer not to say my full name. I think we're keeping it at one, first names only. Okay. I'll cover. I'll go back to covering up my webcam. <laughs> <laughs> first up, going straight into our genre journeys. And this is another app where we sort of fudge the definition of genre and, and, it's you, less of, and you, less of a genre more of a folder yeah and obviously you'll know this from the title of the app but our quote-unquote genre for for today's episode is movies from the year 1975 my genre journey is that the only movie i'd seen before the recording of this podcast was mighty python and the holy grail so <laughs> Out of, how, out of how many movies? Uh, 14? 14 movies. I saw one. Good times. Um, yeah, I feel like Andy was the definite leader of, you know, saying that 1975 was, was a year to remember. Uh, so, well, Andy, you tell us your journey. Yeah, we conceived of this, or maybe more accurately, I conceived of this as the big Jaws episode. That's how I headed into it, but I don't know. I feel like there are four or five movies I'm much more excited to talk about and show some love for than Jaws. Jaws being one of the one of the few movies I had seen before this whole journey began. This whole what began? Oh, I guess I... I was hoping nobody would call me out and I didn't want to double use journey. I'm not trying to confuse people with my genre journey. Journey. They're leaning in their ears towards their radio with their pen or pencil in hand, ready to write down my genre journey. And <laughs> Oh, you didn't want to do a false start. <laughs> I had seen Monty Python, Jaws and Rocky Horror. I hadn't seen any of the, Oh, full one floor over the cuckoo's nest. So I'd seen four of them, four of them prior to it. I uh, may have seen one, but I know I read it, but I don't think I saw it. 
Yeah, I don't think I saw it in high school. Did you see it performed on stage? Mm, no. I think okay. I'd read like half of it, but I hadn't seen it. I'd seen bits of it. Jaws and Monty Python were, you know, are the two. If there's anything to say for my genre journey, it would be something about Jaws or Monty Python. Jaws, the idea of Jaws, the VHS cover of Jaws scared the hell out of me as <laughs> as a child. I think it's a my my father being 17 at the time. It was a very seminal, memorable movie for for my father's genre journey. So I grew up with a lot of, you know, if there's a top five list of movies that your dad is excited to introduce to you, Jaws is definitely on that list. I don't think we ever watched it together because I refused. I was coincidentally, I think, 17 when I finally ripped the Band-Aid off and, and watched this for the first time. For the longest time... I, images of that mechanical shark really were really, really um, effective for me to the point where, I mean, I would jump and get a little jolt if I saw it on screen, if I saw it on the internet, if I even saw the poster, but this was the first time. And a lot of people joke about that, right? They say, oh, the, you know, it's the shark looks so fake and it takes you out of it sort of thing. And there's that, uh, Marty McFly joke in Back to the Future Part 2 where there's the like Jaws was a Jaws 19 or whatever is premiering in in the future and the shark the 3D shark comes out and looks like it's going to swallow Marty McFly whole and he says something like, oh the shark still looks fake I feel like a lot of the Jaws mythos is jokes about the shark not being that effective and this was the first time where I started to internalize that a little i this was maybe the least excited i've been to or while watching jaws in the last few years rachel and i watch it every few years or so and for the first time this is the biggest screen we've ever watched it on this is the biggest we've never watched it in 4k before maybe that has something to do with it but i don't know bruce is kind of losing his his charm for me it just wasn't that i mean you can really both literally and figuratively for me this time see the gears turning and it kind of took me out of it a little bit Mm. and then monty python i feel most people my age with a 10 year or so generational radius have a lot of you know have playground memories of kids doing python quotes specifically from this movie and i had never it was not part of my childhood repertoire with it wasn't something my 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 father was i guess something of a python fan but i know python through my father's forced osmosis of like the lumberjack song and I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of dead parrot stuff. Not a lot of Life of Brian or, or Holy Grail stuff. I was introduced to it through a middle school classmate who, it's not overstating it to to say he, he had a real fetish for it. Oh, God. He would, he would gallop around the cafeteria and he would do the, the Knights Who Say Knee bit which is some some, something of an overstatement ad nauseum and it was one he was so it had reached such a fever pitch around the cafeteria on the playground 
I remember really haranguing my dad for, you know, like there is something, you know, this impressionable and you've kept it from me all the way through sixth grade. <laughs> and then I watched it and had this feeling of, okay, yeah, I get why this wasn't uh, a part of the routine. It's just never been that, uh, it's just never really worked for me, clicked for me. There's some things that I think are really funny, but I, this was the first one we watched. We watched it the night after recording the sports episode. Really excited to inaugurate the the new list of, of movies to watch. And it was, I, and it's like a clean 90 minutes. I could not wait for it to be over. I just, this <laughs> movie, that movie just grates on me very acutely. And I, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I'm just not a fan whatsoever. That is my genre journey. Yeah, I mean, I guess for my, like, I, I didn't realize we'd be like talking about like our original thoughts of specific movies. Yeah, it's similar to Andy. I'd seen Jaws, Rocky Horror, Monty Python. I mean, Sam, you could probably speak more to the way Monty Python played out in our house, which is where it was watched essentially. It's, I, it's one of the first live action movies I remember watching. Wow, that's wild. That's <laughs> very wild. I mean, um, I, it's just like it's just like one of the first movies that I remember like we had a V8 like we I remember the VH I specifically remember the VHS tape of Monty Python and there's only certain movies that I remember that for. Yeah, I mean I loved the fanfare of the Monty Python viewing. I love that everyone else seemed to like it a lot. Our dad seemed to like it a lot. I love that, like, it was, as a kid, it was fun to have something so quotable, like, in one's back pocket. Mm. You know? That I never, I, I've never fully, there's references I, I get, but I've never thought of Monty Python as being the most quote I'm, I'm also just not a quotable kind of guy so that's not its appeal for me oh i feel like that was all we did was quote that movie um growing up if you asked me to pick the bit i found legitimately funniest probably the witch thing i like yeah. the witch thing which which scene is yeah i think the funniest the witch is the funniest one a lot of the rest of it John is just Cleese in the, I like John. I Cleese think John Cleese is bit. regularly the funniest one. Yeah. But yeah. There's even some Cleese stuff or not. Cleese, there's even some non Cleese stuff in the, in the witch stuff. That's just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like the witch bit. I think that's genuinely very funny and holds up. A lot of the rest of it's pretty weird. That I have a lot of positive nostalgia for, but I think I did fall asleep during this. In the end, definitely. I couldn't have told you the last time I saw it, and I certainly was not of a age for this to land. But the one of the earlier bits of, I don't know, I, I mean, I know the other actors' names. I couldn't attach them to faces. Um, but whoever is the when they're doing the like the cast system commentary thing and the guys like on like lying down in a field and oh yeah and he's this, like, like doing like yeah. a Marxist critique yeah. of yeah that one's not bad that one's funny yeah yeah I I think what I realized after finishing this 
movie is that I don't think I watched the last 30 minutes of it very often. I don't think we did either. And and I think just I don't know, maybe because dad didn't. I don't know why. I just don't remember finishing it like that last scene. I've seen maybe less than a quarter of the times I've watched it. Maybe even less than that. So for me, it's a it's an hour, <laughs> hour, 10 minute movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that like one thing that struck me, especially with a lot of those early scenes, is the kind of like digressional comedy of today is so informed by this, where you just have these weird tangent conversations that are funny because of how unconnected they are, or kind of like you go from a very serious situation to something very unserious. And I think that is like a very big kind of effect that Monty Python had. And I think some of the, because of the way the seriousness of the King Arthur story, I think that sometimes that is sometimes best served in a movie like this, but there are also just a lot of things that like, sometimes it's just too much. I mean, there were, I kind of forgot how smart some of the comedy was because I, I I certainly never understood the Marxist critique until this time because I haven't seen it in a couple of years. So I think there were some things that I actually understood some of the references, the more like philosophical and things like that references that made this viewing interesting for me. But probably the next viewing will not be as interesting because there aren't new things for me to understand. Um, this was also, yeah, this was my first, so this is, it's been, I don't know how long since I saw this movie. Cause this was the first movie on this list that I saw after sports. Yeah. Same, same. And then, um, yeah. And Rocky horror was the other one I had seen before. I was so excited to watch Rocky horror for the first time all the way through, which was what, two years ago for my birthday. I think I fell asleep. I know. And it was, I did not, I was kind of disappointed because I'd seen bits of it, obviously. And I listened to the soundtrack a lot. Um, and I was like, Ooh, that ending. Ooh, uh, ooh. And I had a really sort of bad taste in my mouth. But then after this time, I really, I enjoyed it a lot more. And then when I think about the movies, I was most excited to watch like for the first time Stepford wives. Cause I had like known that, uh, get out was very much inspired by the original Stepford wives. So I was pretty jazzed about that. And dog day afternoon were my like two, like I'm most uh, looking forward to watching these two for the first time. That's kind Just of my journey. From the nature of the booby podcast I listen to, I hear a lot about Nashville, so I kind of wanted to watch that. Um, yeah, and Dog, yeah, Nashville, Dog Day, and I think Nashville and Dog Day were really the ones I was. And Jaws, <laughs> Jaws is a Jaws was yeah, an wild filling yeah. in of my movie. Part of yeah. this premise episodes premise too is that yeah you had never you to get me jaws. to watch jaws yeah yeah um you want to you want to head along into our uh into defining terms this is a rough one <laughs> yeah it's movies that came out in 1975 you guys movies that came out in 1975 and how did we pick these list in terms of justify my list my list i mean we have the yeah. the five Best Picture nominees, One Flew, Jaws, Dog Day, Barry Lyndon, and Nashville. They're all represented. Yeah, and I think we tried to 
rep is, is sort of I was going to say not to sound biased, but I mean, there's always going to be some type of bias. I was, I was going to say as reasonably among our three tastes as possible, try to represent some other major awards. I don't think the Sunshine Boys came from a list. It came from the fact that George Burns won Best Supporting Actor for, for the film. But I hesitated to say that because there are some, there's not a lot of representation in the Best Actress and act, Supporting Actress categories. A lot of movies represented there that uh, sound like kind of dry costume dramas that I wasn't jazzed about adding to the list. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you just search 1975 movies, we kind of picked some of the ones that seemed the most interesting um, beyond the like obvious Oscar five. Um, the one thing that like, again, if you sort of search, you might be like, what, what um, is uh, three days at the Condor or three days of the Condor. Like that's like a movie that people talk about a lot, but I don't know. Well, yeah. Why didn't we put that one on the list? Well, that was earmarked for a now long abandoned political thrillers episode. There we go. And I think that was maybe avoided in the spirit of, oh, we'll do that someday, perhaps, and thus won't uh, double dip. But we'll double dip at some point, right? We might even as soon as next episode. Yeah. Rachel gets her way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant from this episode. Oh, no. no. Um, and then, yeah, then Cooley didn't... High is another one that we loved for high school movies oh, that came right. out in 75. Yeah. So. Uh... There was a very esoteric. I don't remember the source. I don't think it was a uh, any sort of uh, commercial publication. But there was there's a very esoteric. It reminded me a lot of the this list that we used for '76. It was there was a very crude sort of GeoCities looking, um, but very smart list of 1967 movies that led us to. Well, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a good. No, I think it got us two for the road, though. We got two for for the road from this type of list as we also got weekend from this list. But there was another sort of like bloggers, very old looking website who had 100 movies from 1975 ranked. And I think it was at least in his top three. I think his number one movie was Night Moves, if you can believe it and that is why night moves is on the list it's a certain person's favorite movie like just like a certain type of person i mean like i don't know if i want to know that person but um it's 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 a genre that was not represented on well i guess it kind of went deep red is a little bit anyway um Oh my, these are some steamy. So I'm looking, I'm I'm trolling the best the the movies that feature the actresses nominated for best supporting actress and best actress. Jacqueline Suzanne's Once is Not Enough. That sounds like a Bond movie. Oh, that yeah, does sound really like does. a Bond. Hey, the poster looks like it's a Bond movie. <laughs> so Mid Coitus is the poster. 
And why didn't we watch that movie? I don't know. It's a good question. But yeah, some some of those other ones I was so farewell, my lovely. Didn't watch that. Didn't watch Hester Street. Uh, for which Carol Kane was nominated for Best Actress. Didn't watch Hedda. We didn't watch a Carol Kane movie? Yeah, I had never even heard of this. So you were Mr. Let's let's put in some genres that everyone's interested in, and then you just completely ignored costume dramas because no one likes costume dramas. Sorry, let's we're gonna pause and then I'll go watch the story of Adele H. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can. 75 French historical drama. We have plenty of movies to talk about. We don't need to perseverate about the ones that we did not pick. <laughs> then let's go to Stat Man. <laughs> then let's take a break and uh, recombobulate. Hello. Oh, my. And we're back with a visitor. I think it's, it's something with it Stat E5. Initiating. Stat oh, E5. I don't know if it's fully human. Stat E5 think... is <laughs> alive. <laughs> kind of like a knight who says D. Oh, it does look like a knight who says D. Yeah, that's what I thought this was at first. And it was, but you know, the brown paperback version. Stat E5 can also say knee. <laughs> Stat E5. What's What's your directive? <laughs> I'm from 2075. Oh, well, that's perfect. To warn the schmoolies. <laughs> what do you need to warn me about? Cal- calculating. <laughs> you don't have it ready? <laughs> calculating. Beware Mancini schmoolies. I've all, I, you didn't have to tell me. I'm always be wearing of, of Mancini. Wait, who's? I don't get the Mancini thing. Beware the other stat man from a few episodes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was a character from a movie at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the world's a stage, Rachel. Yeah, we were really afraid. So why does he have to be bear beware Mancini, Staty Five? Staty Five cannot say. Oh, you you'd ruin the timeline. Are you also a member of uh calculating? <laughs> Affirmative, I am also a member. <laughs> Twenty seventy-five is when you will also record your sci-fi episode. <laughs> I don't know the way this is going. <laughs> but I thought I would come and warn you sooner. Since Staty Five is more appropriate for the, a sci-fi episode. Tri- <laughs> what what's the tricentennial celebrations shaping up to be like Staty Five? Oh, do you think America still exists in 2075? Let's be honest. Thanks to President Nick Jonas, (laughs) the tricentennial celebration is a smash. It's a smash. Nick Jonas. How old is Nick Jonas? Calculating.
old, it, go ahead. Old enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that hasn't changed is we haven't stopped electing progressively older and older. White males. White males. Progressively older and older former pop star white males. <laughs> President Jonas. Jonas. The, the. <laughs> Maybe it's Nick Jonas the second. Maybe it's. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Jonas, you know. Who's Nick Jonas with again? Is Nick Jonas the one who's with Priyanka Chopra? Oh, so it wouldn't be white male if it was Nick Jonas's son. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Dig, dig, dig. It's Nick Jonas the second. Statty Five assures you that it is your human Nick Jonas from 2021. So it's not <laughs> Nick Jonas Jr. And it's not Nick Jonas. The, the joke is on you because Nick Jonas has several daughters. Oh. And and women can't be president, Statty Five? According to you, Schmoolies. <laughs> Wait, Nick Jonas currently has several daughters. Oh, no, in 2075. How arrogant to think that Nick Jonas is a father in 2021. (laughs) Daddy Five, do you have any other directives? Apart from warning me about Mancini, do you have any other uh, directives? Hail President Jonas. He... Who makes every day feel like Christmas? <laughs> I love that song. Is that the new national anthem? Yes. Affirmative. <laughs> I mean, affirmative. Non sequitur. Non sequitur. Okay. The new national. President Jonas revealed the new national anthem at Camp Rock. <laughs> Formerly your human Camp David. <laughs> I think that's an improvement. I mean, who's David, really? Calculating. <laughs> I keep forgetting. It. I can't. I can't ask rhetorical questions. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. So if you could give us any advice from 19 or from 2075, what would you give us? What advice would you give us? Statty five. You know, that thing at Trader Joe's where you don't have to buy all of a can of soda or box yes. of soda. Yeah. Pretty much every place is like that in 2075. <laughs> we can do it sooner. Wow. wow. That's good. Well, I have a question oh, that gives for me you, Statty five. In 2075, what is the general consensus best 1975 movie? Death Race. Mm. That you wouldn't let your team watch. Me? It's another thing I'm here to warn you about. (laughs) Watch Death Race? You could have saved yourself from Mancini and the other stat men from a few episodes ago. If you watch Death Race. And what if I watched it now? Is it too late? When would you watch Hester Street? <laughs> I was reading about Hester Street. It's an interesting, uh, you got a little, it's, it's all in Yiddish, apparently. Well, that's fun. That is one of my 
720 languages. Cool. Good for you. You're a regular C-3PO. Anything else you want to say to us, Staty 5? Staty 5. <laughs> yeah, that's you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing, guys? <laughs> I don't know why that is a we. Sleep mode initiated. Uh, <laughs> okay, Stanny Five's going to sleep in my dining room, I guess. Stanny Five online. Oh, back. Oh. Okay, hi, Stanny Five. You came back. That was fast. It could happen to. It happens to a lot of robots, you know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. You don't need to feel bad about it. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, that was a, a visit from the future in our in our in our uh, during our episode from the past. After that uh, visit from the future, let's go back to the past. Let's go back to the past. Oh, Andy, we we there was a, a robot came back from the back to when when just went back to the future actually yeah one of these days where we get a visit you'll be here it's yeah so I feel weird. Like just like the law of averages means that you'll yeah, have to I not mean, just, be what are the odds that every single time right when <laughs> was he hot oh yeah i, loved I mean him. it just saw the face ish but uh he sounded hot yeah <laughs> nice. he had a really good voice <laughs> next up our awards starting off with uh what the fuck am i just chicken liver what do you I mean i was gonna do them fast i was gonna oh do- stats oh stats yeah i always forget that there's actual stats <laughs> who needs stats about? when you have steady fives statman has so over overcome the the stat of it all i like i forget so go ahead go for it well this is you know, a lot of these things sort of defy the different phases we have set up, right? Don't have there, there aren't much terms to define, right? And, and and things like that. And similar for stats, right? It's just <laughs> we tend to do uh, list most of the movies that won all of the awards. So, <laughs> as Sam said earlier, fourteen movies collected forty-two Oscar nominations, sixteen Oscar wins. Fun piece of trivia: the man who would be king. Only movie on our list to be nominated for at least one Academy Award to win zero. Most nominated movie on the list, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, also won the most Oscars, five. Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Adapted Screenplay. Three films on the list are on the AFI, updated guess you'd call it updated it's like what 15 years old almost at this point but updated list of 100 movies nashville is 59 on the list jaws 56 on the list goodness one flew over the cuckoo's nest is 33 on the list do you think that uh of those three the highest ranking one is cuckoo's nest and there's that big of a gulf between them at least for me is uh a bit shocking yeah welcome to best thing ever 
or best thing extended you. Only the best thing ever. <laughs> if that was not already clear. Welcome to the best thing extended universe. Gene Hackman. You're in Usures and Night Moves. And Susan Usurers. Sarandon. Yes. Susan Sarandon, you're in Bull Durham and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We I salute you and we dress you. Your t-shirts are in the mail. Meets TEU. It's a pretty what good group of actors i was looking back at it oh this yeah morning yeah. no slouches no slouches all got um, access to the vip lounge yeah and and i think all of the the various stat men hang out in that lounge too so they <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a colorful group it is a colorful group um sorry for jumping the gun andy no, all good. And I believe that's really that's really about it. I was just taking a look at if there's anything interesting about the release dates of some of these. Eh. Oh, but that, no, that is one thing. I so or one last thing. I was thinking about this earlier this morning because The Man Who Would Be King was one of the most recent things for me to consume. And it was, so Man Who Would Be King and Barry Lyndon came out on the same day, December 18th, glorified Christmas movies. Shh. Man Who Would Be King. <laughs> it's like, imagine taking the family to that on Christmas Day. Uh, <laughs> imagine taking the, the family to see Barry Lyndon on Christmas Day. <laughs> I would take, both are right. I mean, you could, you could sub in one for the other and for what I'm trying to convey here but I, even for, i would say barry linden is is leaps and bounds more cheerful really than the man who would be and there's a child death in barry linden and i would say it's even more uplifting than <laughs> God. the man who would be king but anyways Did I proceed what the fuck proceed 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 proceeds um what was everyone's top what the fucks? I can get it started. We got a good laugh out of this one, Rachel and I, when we watched uh, Jaws about two months ago. When <laughs> most of the scenes are famous in Jaws, right? I was going to say the very famous like town meeting scene, but the the scene where <laughs> yeah. Quint is where <laughs> where Quint is introduced, <laughs> and he scratches his fingers famously um, down the chalkboard to get everybody's attention. He has presumably sketched an artist rendering of a man-eating shark on the chalkboard behind him. And the idea that that passed any sort of uh, muster or you know qu level of quality on the set is, is, is quite shocking. It is the most like first grader drawn on the back of it, their notebook in, in elementary school looking shark with like a men's bathroom logo in between the two <laughs> yeah. the two uh i guess uh rose between the jaws i guess of the of the shark it's hilarious it's ridiculous it made me say what the fuck my what uh, the fuck was one of them ahead, the man who would be king i did not like that did not look like christopher Plummer to me like it took me so long like i christopher Plummer. He's changed four times in his life, like completely. <laughs> that was, 
I forgot I had a spiritual runner up. The closing scenes of the man who or closing scene of the man who would be king. I thought there was something wrong with my copy or something. The unflinchingness of Christopher Plummer's face as he sits there wrapped <laughs> listening to Michael Cade, like the amount of time they they linger on shots of him just looking at him tell the story is just look what the fuck it's hilarious and very yeah it is just very i think he looks who cares right but he looks like a convincing and good uh kipling but yeah yeah that one i i get the whole idea of like uh getting back to like a big technicolor saturday matinee adventure at the at the multiplex sort of thing, but that's just, I mean, it's just such a bizarre, I mean, it's, it's, it's based on very clear source material that that story of his, but I didn't realize where it was going and it was just a weird thing to see on screen. (laughs) Uh, my, what the fuck was the, deep deep belief that night moves has that gene hackman has a lot of sexual magnetism Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that was mine that that like everyone wants to be with gene hackman well i think Uh, that's like a 70 i don't know like the women throwing themselves at random ass men is kind of like it's a male direct smolder shot all the time Oh, always like he's shot like like he's what's his name in shampoo like uh what's his what's his, what's his name? not ned Beatty. <laughs> war Beatty. yeah yeah, yeah. he's shot like he's war Beatty in shampoo like it's like it's like oh yeah we gotta get this we gotta get this for gene oh jack warden what okay jack warden is the middle-aged sort of corporate oh uh like generic monolithic corporate villain entity i liked him a lot yeah 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 but yeah just the deep belief really that <laughs> that we're like all him. watching night moves to just see gene hackman do his thing and like the his fact wife that, like, wasn't buying it yeah his wife wasn't buying it yeah i did like the guy but yes the the performance by what's her name, the sort of main like love interest woman was pretty terrible and she's supposed to be very into it. Obviously, Melanie Griffith Griffith is supposed to be very into it. And yeah, it's just weird. That was mine. I mean, oh, this her, is a- some of her deliveries hearing you, you remind me of that actress who I don't think really went on to be no. in many other movies, at least movies that I've seen. Yeah, there is a lot of... <laughs> really weird what the fuck uh vibes coming from uh, from a a few of her scenes yeah anyway what were you saying sam i mean it's a it's a what the fuck on purpose but the last scene of uh of nashville it's like i don't know why i don't know why i just Mm -hmm. did not see the assassination attempt coming like until i was so shocked when that movie was over i was like that's it until he started walking up and i was like oh like he takes the it's like it was the key the the necklace key as the way to open his instrument case that's when i was like oh why does that need to be so secure and i was like oh shit 
he has never dropped that once in this movie. Why did he carry it to him to the funeral? And I was like, oh man. And then even that's not the weirdest part. It's, it's, it's the whole them singing that song for like a two to three minutes. She's singing that the random woman who mm. they kind of make late light of the fact that it really seems like she's being abused by her husband. Like, it's just like, yeah. the, Oh, the, she's just flighty and her husband's totally trying to find her like throughout the movie. Um, that's the, like, I think that's the danger of having those like, a movie where it is the whole point is that it's like 10 different plots going on at the same time is that when you have one that is not fully fleshed out, it can become a hindrance to the movie overall. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last two scenes lower the last, basically the last scene of, of Nashville. And I really did not think the, when she started um, what's her name? So see Celine, Celine, Celine solution. When mm-hmm. she started <laughs> singing, and and it took such a such a dark turn, where it was like, oh, they wanted to strip. I'm like, okay, she's just gonna leave, right? And then, okay, yeah, you're talking about. It. I, I thought you were still talking about the end. And I'm no, this was like this yeah. is also like not that. It was like maybe like the scene before the end. Or two scenes before the end, probably two scenes before the end. Um, like it just kind of was dark in a way that the rest of the movie was toying with, but not fully walking into. And I think the last couple of scenes it really took a left turn that I was not expecting. Um, but more so on purpose than than like than the other what the fucks. Yeah, I had a weird relationship with with that watching Nashville for the first time. So I had recently watched an Altman documentary that had parts, partial clips of the final scene. So I knew there was a shooting, but I don't, I either just didn't remember enough or they didn't show the full scene to show who the target was. I just, because having never seen Nashville before, but seeing this documentary, all I remember was like assassination style attempt at what looked like a political rally because it's that campaign event for that politician. So I was expecting, I knew that since I knew there was going to be an assassination involved, I just thought, went into it thinking it was for a politician. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. pretty jarring to, yeah. to see that. It and was the, 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 the I mean, it's, it's hinted at because Barbara Baxley's character is constantly talking about the Kennedys and I thought that scene was so I loved her in the whole thing. And her scene talking with the BBC reporter, hmm. I thought was hilarious when she's like waxing lyrically about how much she loves the Kennedys. And oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, now I'm remembering better. Yeah. I do love that song that she sings at the end, though. Oh, yeah. And I think it's nice that she turns out to be like a a very really good. good singer, but obviously she's got she's like she's losing control of it a little bit towards the end when she's trying to solo. But she's like a very she's not Celine. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Susan Boyle where it's like some sort of like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe that's like coming out of your mouth. But it's like, oh, no, she's competent. And like, I would believe that the people there would be happy to hear her voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she, it's not like she's better than. Oh, God, I can't remember who. Who plays uh what's her name? 
Oh, I, I know who plays her, but what's the character's Barbara. name? It's Rosie R- R- Renee Blakely. Barbara. Uh, Blakey. Um, yeah. Barbara something. Ronnie. She's Ronnie so Blakely. good. I mean, her, her, her singing Blakely. is amazing. Ronnie, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I like that she's not better than her. Yeah. I like that was a good choice. Um, I forgot that she's the mom in Nightmare on Elm Street, which is pretty wild. Ryan the Blakely? other what Ronnie the fuck Blakely from that movie. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I kind of understand the um, Elliot Gould, Ju- Julie Christie cameos. Oh, I loved that stuff. But it was so strange. It was strange for me. I had to, we had to, we did some research. Uh, I, I forgot about the whole Barbara Streisand thing. Yeah. I turned to Rachel and asked. Why is this Elliot Gould? How? popular was elliot gould in 1975 oh so yeah that was the other thing i was like <laughs> he's like from friends <laughs> right yeah it's because like he was friends married to Barbara and Streisand. oceans oh i didn't realize it was like a t- and because of that he was sort of like a tabloid sort of uh, darling and i didn't kind I of along with julie christie i was aware but julie of... christie was in was real. i loved her in shampoo yeah Oh, yeah. She just also like had a lot of public relationships, I think. OK, OK. She, that makes like, more sense as to why that was those. She two. dated Warren Beatty right. for seven years on and off. Like she was kind of like, you know, whatever. And Gould was in he's the star of the long goodbye. And that hadn't clicked for me. Another Robert Altman movie, which hadn't clicked for me at the time. But then you brought up his. It was also like, I mean, very. There, it was very the humor was very much at their expense. I mean, I they probably knew what was going on in the movie and how they would be treated, but it was pretty funny how how kind of distasteful the whole thing was, or how how much how with how much distaste the script treated them as movie stars. Um, yeah, I think I think the the man who would be king is was my what the fuck though. Not a bad um, choice. <laughs> um, so next up we have uh, love it or list list it, um, which is basically we choose the movies that we ca- that were kind of found on random lists that we never and heard we're of before. Our, yeah, yeah, weren't on our radar. We had to do some homework to learn about them, encounter them. Yeah, um, for that for this episode we have night moves and the sunshine boys night moves we've talked a little bit about with the gene hackman uh love interest um it was so funny there were points where i was like this just feels like a long law and order svu episode yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like the payoff just wasn't as good as i wanted it to be i want the, i wanted there to be better twists and yeah there were parts of it that i like like and because that pay because of that pace, it kind of had an inherently pulled me in, but also kind of was just like it's too convoluted and and there were it just kept pushing me away at the same time. Yeah, um, it was a little as production wise, it was a little televisiony. Yeah, which is a big impression I had from In the Heat of the Night, thinking about our sixty seven yes. episode. But there wasn't. I mean, there's so much that redeems that in in the heat of the night that really isn't present in mm-hmm. in night definitely moves. yeah so that's probably a, a list it for me yeah same um what about you rage you were i was i 
was like, I, I thought with it for I thought while. that movie was going to be different than it was. Like, I don't, I really don't like how it turned off. We or turned out. We spent way too much time in the keys. In the, in the key of love. Like, at night, you know, obviously it's called night moves. Um, I, I just thought the beginning it, yeah. of it was much better than the end of it. Yeah, and the end, the end scene with all of like the, it became like a James Bond style like chase and all that shit. It reminded me of like an, it, it's like it's like an unfunny Carl. He- I don't know if anyone's read any Carl Hyacin novels, but they all take place in Florida, and they're all kind of like PI investigations, but they're very funny. And this was yeah. like an unfunny version of a Carl Hyacin novel, and it, you need the humor. <laughs> yeah, it's important. That's an important um, thing. But I really want to talk about Dem Sunshine Boys. Dem Sunshine Boys. That movie was so good. I, I, I have to admit, the Walter Matthau performance kind of put me off. Oh, no. no. Oh, how? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was you just thought it was like, too much. It was too, I don't know, it was too odd. It was just. It was too long of, I think it was too much of, I think the performance itself was fine. I think it was just too much of a too much performance, if you know what I mean. But But that's why it was perfect when, what's his name, showed up because he was like the count, he was like a better foil. So it was like, it was like, oh, this, this is, this is. I think that's what I was missing. For I think the fact that it was Walter, I think it was just imbalanced. It was Walter Matthau too much. I needed more of. George Burns. George Burns, who was so good in it. And his weirdness, and it felt more reasonable, you know? Like, it wasn't a caricature. Yeah. Um, and as it felt like it had more heart in it. And it just, the movie felt more right when he was in a scene. Then, like, the, especially the son was not a very good actor, uh, Walter Matthau's son. No, I didn't so, like, I didn't love their dynamic together. Their dynamic really didn't. So, the first parts of the movie before George Burns shows up, I think just really kind of put me off of the Walter Matthau character and was only be able to be saved a little bit by his interactions with George Burns. But I like the idea, I liked the kind of love letter to, to the like, um, the great white way, vaudeville. Yeah, Stuff. starting with the George M. Cohen. Ugh. I certainly of of this and night moves. This one I thought was better. Oh yeah, and actually I it, did. Yeah. I did actually like when Walter Matthau was in. I think the him in when he got sick, when he got injured or sick or whatever and was in bed. I think that's when he started actually acting and not just like doing his old doing like the Odd Couple. Well, I think you that that comes too with the fact because I, I yeah I think it's a very important observation you make about George Burns being much more grounded and 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 authentic and having a performance with a lot more heart. But I think a lot of that is due to not that it excuses it necessarily from what you're saying, but I had to keep reminding myself watching it that he's, he was 55 or something like, wasn't Matho 55 yeah. playing, you know, they age him up what 30 plus years to George oh, Burns's actual age. So 
but Mathow, the Mathow character, Mathow like, would not have been alive in the heart of vaudeville. Right. Like, or Mathow was not, like, alive for that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't think been. about that. He was not that old. Yeah. So, a lot of that caricatureness has to be a byproduct of <laughs> Mathow having to pretend he's 30 years older than he is. Yeah. It's also interesting. I saw some, like, predecessor to I like there was some walk and talk script delivery that was very Aaron Sorkin-esque oh there's a lot of scenes where they're going through the like through his apartment and stuff like that through his apartment Um, or like what him and his son walking around and it's just it's just line 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 it's very quick um yeah this is a big love it for me if I go first (laughs) Please bury me with them sunshine boys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I also thought to me that I, like my major takeaways from Sun- them sunshine boys were like, I think, yeah, Herbert Ross did like a really good job as a director of like getting as much movement and New Yorky stuff in there as possible. Um, very different mm, from like, yeah. I mean, uh, barefoot in the park is like the other like neil simon that we've already watched oh and yeah bridge between felt... two year Ugh, episodes and that Ugh. felt neil so much like a play and this felt like a play too like you could see that it was you know all the stuff and obviously his apartment was very much like a play um and the but... stage within a stage makes sense for a play also exactly but like it wasn't so obvious like it i mean yeah it was and it was just filmed better. Like the apartment had a lot more dimension. The one in Barefoot in the Park, you like, it felt like a soundstage. Right. It, it, like it was three walls. And this one was much more dimensional and deeper. Though eight years, only eight years separate them. Just Barefoot in the Park looks like such a museum piece where Dem Sunshine Boys, I mean, I, you could tell me it was made last week to us just something it's not like the apartment like you could imagine that that was a yeah 90 year old uh, new yorkers apartment in brooklyn yeah and 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 it really was it's like the um a pat absolutely because you well maybe you could but just how much shit was in that apartment compared to i think that the, when you have barefoot in the park where like they're just moving in but it's just a scarcity of furniture and props means that it looks like it's just a play that needs to be the mm. shit needs to be brought on and off stage quickly whereas this actually looks lived in yeah and that's what you need to be able to do with the, the movie. director thing that's like just shooting true. it differently yeah um like herbert ross i think is just a better director than whoever gene Sachs, whoever did whatever you know. Schmo. Yeah, fuck you it's, it's not fuck well you, i mean i'm just saying like he's i mean he's a he's a stage need to make director. a fuck you list well, no, he's a stage. He, Gene Sachs, I'm looking <laughs> on his Wikipedia right now, is mostly a stage director. I mean, he was married to B. Arthur for, you know, 30 or almost 30 years. So we can't hate him. But like he was a stage director and it felt like a stage thing. And putting a stage director with a Neil Simon thing feels very stagey. Whereas Herbert Ross, I get it's like an act, you know, Academy Award winning movie director, movie movies. And what's what's uh, his resume? It's like um, I was just looking at it. Uh, Are you calculating? But and then I was gonna say one more thing about the Neil Simon of it all. It also made me wor- realize that like when when did Neil Simon write for a woman very successfully? 
I feel like that's like also part of the key because like that was by girl female driven. Have you seen that? No, I just I, it's got girl in the title. What could yeah. go wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I, I yeah. To me, the most nauseating element was like you know he usually has like a sort of a it's usually a two hander. You know, there's usually like a a kind of more bonkers person and a less bonkers person, and obviously the woman was the more bonkers person in, in barefoot in the park. And it was really hard for, to handle, uh, but not math not, out not doing it. Jane Fonda's lack of skill just because of the script was, I think it was also, yeah, it was like a writing thing. I think he just doesn't know how to write it. Um, whereas this is clearly like him playing to his strengths. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was excellent. I thought that that was also the whole point was that math. was like a little too much. Just math. just did not seem to make sense in the world until um george burns showed up and then you're like oh you make sense now you make sense in this world like it all it like you 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 have people now and you click with like this is who you're supposed to be with and i think that that's a little bit of the point so yeah herbert ross's other stuff um goodbye mr chips uh the owl and the pussycat. I don't what know, did he win? Won Oscars. You, yeah, what did he win? Oh, Oscar? Footloose. Um, let me look at the Oscars. He did Footloose. Seems like he does a lot of musicals. While you look, oh, I guess up- he just he was nominated for Footloose. It was, oh. I sorry, I, I he didn't win. He was nominated. Oh, Steel Magnolias. Okay. Um. Also an adaptation or stage. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of adaptations. And he's done, and he's also directed Neil Simon plays. Um, but yeah, I certainly hear what Sam says about the the Mathow performance. I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I, it could be toned down a little bit. It's a little, maybe a little thick or too much at times. But I couldn't tell you the last time I laughed that hard and that frequently and that genuinely and joyfully at a at a new movie I was seeing for the first time I just I had such a wonderful time watching that movie I thought it was so comforting it was such a perfect we watched it last Saturday night it was a perfect sort of shut-in Saturday night movie many happy returns yeah for sure oh the scene where he's doing the the ad read. I mean, we talked about this. Yeah, I talked about this already. Favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good scene. It's so good. Um, or the scene where he's at the the scene right after that where he's. I think maybe it was the son. I didn't like him and his son. The scene where he's at nephew? the uh, nephew. Nephew. Sorry. Um, the scene where he's at the 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 <laughs> the garage that's supposed to be but he thinks is and he's like yeah. just arguing with this guy about what address it is and shit like that yeah no there's a good the, the first couple scenes are good um should we do pinterest board next up is pinterest board mine always tend to be architectural yeah uh, mine um, is not fashion driven for the first time oh mine is i didn't think hard enough I, and this is not even like, I don't know if I, which one of these I'd want, but the breadth of interior, interior design in, um, 
in deep red. Oh yeah, um, totally. Yeah, that like, is a good one. It is wild. Like you have like the very old style apartment. Like I think one of the psychologist apartments, the one with all the Judaica the in it that I thought was going to come up <laughs> in some way, but then yeah. she's just got a wall length contemporary I just think menorah. It's the time. I just sure. think it was the time. It was cool. It's I'm so not upset about it. But it's it. like but it's like old clat and then you have the piano player just kind of more messy. Who else? Oh, and then the the um, the psychic, the one who the first death, has all those crazy, uh, almost painted kind of, right? with the weird the like, paintings with the weird manchas. faces. What does that look? I'm trying to remember what artist that looks like. Um, and then the eventual killers, well, not eventual, but the so the killer's son, Carlos, his paramours apartment is like so it feels so 70s european mm. like all the wallpaper is very like black and white and it's like op art feels like it's like everything is op art and um i just i found like the bouncing between aesthetics to be so enjoyable in that movie of like what each part because because you really got a sense because all of these shots of different angles of of windows being opened and and things like that when the suspense was building you really got a sense for for each place at the angles and like oh and this and the old school at the very end, oh, I, Leonardo da Vinci school. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was sweet. Um, I did think that the some of the lead up into like how why these houses were important. I don't know if I just missed them, but yeah. some of the connective tissue in that movie really lost me. The cuts in that movie made no sense to me. Like there were very few sort of contextualizing shots. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe that's I'm sure that's on purpose and supposed to like make you feel kind of nervous, but like there were certain times where I was like, wait, 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 where are we? Yeah, um, that was that was a that was a really, really well done movie for I mean weird transition with Rachel talking about the cuts, but having watched Suspiria, I feel like or I've watched it twice in the last few years. You and I watched it last year for the for the first horror episode, Rachel, and I like Suspiria fine, but this this in my opinion is leaps and bounds ahead of of Suspiria and, and, and quality and production. And especially we were talking about the soundtrack, I think, before we started recording. Uh, just yeah. a lot of really, really good stuff. I loved the use of movie. the soundtrack. Also, like, even just the... This, I guess, actually makes sense for Pinterest board a little bit. The use of that, the song that the killer uses mm, to get yeah. in. Yes. And it's such a... Feels like a classic children's song and then at the very end there's this like the do 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 there's this half step flat that just it just just turns the screw a little bit and you're like oh that's like you hear it and you're like oh that that's a little off and i just think that that song was so well done and it it just there were the little things in that movie were really enjoyable and i'm not a horror person so, I, I was waiting for you yeah, to call or text or I certainly, someone to curse me because I, I snuck a horror movie onto the list. I was annoyed with you. I knew because there was a horror movie. It said thriller horror movie. So I was like, God damn it, Andy. You're fucking making me watch a horror movie. Porco Rosso, baby. Um, but um, 
but in ways I feel like that it, it the movie almost didn't take the horror that seriously. Yeah. I think especially they didn't take the, the use, scares that seriously. The use of the music, this rock, this really good kind of rock style. Like I thought of it as almost well, not rock. It was kind of like I thought it was very David Holmesy. Um, the MTV the, DJ. <laughs> and uh, the composer for like uh, Ocean's movies. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, totally. yeah. It really felt kind of that kind of jazzy rock bass heavy um bass it was basically just bass lines or guitar low guitar lines and it took you away from the suspense and kind of was like more about like feeling the movie feeling cool than about the movie feeling scary um which is kind of also it was very it gave me very big tarantino vibes yeah for me it was cronenberg like it all felt very cronenberg which i also feel like yeah Cronenberg is very concerned with being cool over being scary or being interesting. I should say maybe yeah. interesting is the word. Um, so it is in part uh, goblin. We had talked again before goblin. Yeah. We pressed record. If it was another goblin uh, collaboration with Dario Argento, just like Suspiria. And it is I like this so much better than Suspiria. Yeah. Can I say my Pinterest board? I have two. Oh, one I'll is more do, horror movies. I'll yeah. just do yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> I also the I mean, the period stuff in especially at the towards the end for Barry Lyndon was just like on the clothes and it's in is he in France? He's in France. Like once right? he got rich. Once he got rich, the house um, yeah was fucking amazing. Um, that yeah, those were my those that was my other part of it. But yeah, go ahead, Rach. Well, I just I feel like okay, so I mine's a little complicated. So one's my actual Pinterest board, which we can get to later. But what is my more like how does how did Tumblr 15 years ago not find out about this movie? Because Tumblr, like 10 or 15 years ago, was obsessed with virgin suicide aesthetics. Like like everywhere oh. you go, it was like a still of like something from virgin suicides. And I feel like Virgin Suicides and Picnic and Hanging Rock are like the same movie, but not really like the same vibe, same colors, same sort of like barely distinguishable girls. Oh, my God. All these white, all these blonde white girls in the same outfit, which is also very Virgin Suicides. Like, I don't know that to be like very the literal idea of a Pinterest board and that I could totally imagine like these pictures just showing up. I mean, granted, this is Tumblr aesthetic, not Pinterest, but I feel like it's an okay pivot. I'm like, how did like does does did Tumblr know about Picnic and Hanging Rock? And that being and so, when did they like, know it? And when did they know it? Because <laughs> this it's such a it's it's just a very ethereal, like you know, sort of beguiling. I think is a word I saw used over and over again. And I do like the aesthetic. I mean, it's certainly like coming back. You know, this sort of like it's like part cottage core, part sort of edwardian not edwardian yeah, but it felt like it felt like an interesting twist because it the backdrop was just beautiful shots of edwardian. australian outback yeah yes and i did love that about it like the clash between like wait this isn't like because it takes it took me a second to be like oh this isn't england because you expect it to be england yeah 
But and you're like, oh, this is uh, like this is like capybara country. Like this is this yeah. is Australia, you know. And then that like as that sort of bubbles up, um, and they do that in a very thoughtful way. Uh, and I, I can't tell. Obviously, it's an Australian director, right? So like, I can't tell if they were sort of aware that audiences would be reacting to it this way, or if it was such a hometown movie that that's all accidental. Um, well, this is so Peter Weir, and it's yes a very. It's like a trademarked period of, was it Australian New Wave? Yes. So it was a, it was just an artistic movement, deliberate artistic movement in Australia that he was working on behalf of. I don't know. Within. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I I, I just think yeah, that's my like one Pinterest board one where I, it's not necessarily the one that like I love the most for its aesthetic. But to me, there's just something so like internet aesthetic these days about it. Like the indistinguishable white girls, the cottage core dresses, the, you know, just like that whole thing. But my actual answer is shampoo. Mm. Yeah. Like, yep, yep, yep. like the breadth of it, the, I just think that the clothes are very, very good. Obviously the hair is very, very good. Which is like his a hair side is amazing. Thing. His hair, but all of the other hair is great. Yeah. And like the, the, yeah. people, hair the that way he that gives the two women. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that and a lot of the women change their hair throughout the movie a lot. Um, and uh, he and obviously like that, you know, is very like character appropriate. Specifically, when I picked this, I was thinking about the actual salon. And it's like mm. it's sort of like white with like the weird sort of tr- like in indoor outdoor trellis sort of thing yeah. and the plants and yeah and like how bustling it was and all these beautiful people in this very sort of 70s but you could kind of get away with something similar today salon um well they just, did in the heights it's kind of like that i haven't seen in the heights yet um and yeah, that's my real answer. Shampoo. Mine's a little more granular. I just went with um, Hooper's boat from Jaws. Oh yeah, that's an amazing one. <laughs> yeah, I want the toy version. It's like my version of a Pinterest board. I want like the Playmobil one where you could crack it open and then you could oh, put your Playmobiles yeah. on the inside, oh. and then you could close it and have it just be the boat. Sorry, you get a little head. Like... <laughs> is it ben Gardner's head. Whose head is it? It is Ben Gardner's head. It's Ben Gardner's boat and head. You get maybe like a smaller, like if it were a Lego thing, you'd get just the head and not the body. A little floating Ben Gardner's head with your, with your Richard Dreyfus boat playset, all the little gadgets. I just want antennas to pull out of things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't have enough of those anymore. We really don't. We really don't. I I agree. Things to extend as if from nowhere. Um, cool. Next up, best score. I mean, it's uh, this is a rough one. How do we define score again? Score would also include score does not lyrical include n- score is original music, as I understand it. Sure, but is it 
Can it be lyrical? I think Nashville would. <sighs> yeah, Nashville. I guess it totally can. I have score albums, and that includes lyrical stuff on. I have a bunch of yeah. Disney scores. And I'd say all the... original music for a movie, just just for this purposes. Yeah. For this show's purposes, I think original music makes more sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jaws. It's hard to beat Jaws. Jaws is good. Yeah. We already talked about Deep Red. I love that was original stuff, right? I think so. Yep. That was certainly the like best surprise. Um, because I mean, like, you know, like Jaws is supposed to be good. It's, that's what it that's like the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but also I think I I've heard the theme so many times or the that specific part that I, I think the the ways in it was used in the movie were more varied than I was expecting, and I really yes. enjoyed that. It's not yes. just done uh, like the, it, that. Yeah. It actually happens not that many times that that is used in different ways. Um, I would also say Jaws might have the best use of no score, like the the non music, like the beach parts where it's really just people being happy, but there is no music to lead you. Um, I really enjoy the suspense that gets built in those moments. Yeah, the sound design in general of Jaws is really good. Um, I don't know if I had, was there anything else I wanted to give a shout out to? And then I guess if we're counting original music, Rocky Horror, I mean, that's the best song. I mean, I, I there were some songs that I liked in Nashville, but it's not really my my zone in terms of the style of music. Um, I certainly you, you like some hang of out and performances the uh, by what's her name Barbara Jean, like her sing before she went on 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 her tangents at the the second to last. Yeah, she would. Those are some amazing, and even at the even at the concert, she used to like some of the choruses. I really enjoyed. See, now I feel like a real horse's ass. Why? I really love a lot of those Nashville songs. Love too. them enough to award them best score. Wow. Particularly so. And I'm not, I, I have some, I'm in good company on this one because you know who else loved them? The Academy. Oh, see, I thought I'm Easy was the worst one. Oh no! Oh, I, I, I love because so the chorus to "I'm Easy" annoyed me. It was such a bad chorus. Oh, what? Okay. I I just didn't I just He's didn't like sense. it as a song. I like the scene. I like the twist that the whole time this guy, him and um, Lily Tomlin, Lily Tomlin. Or a thing, especially because Lily Tomlin's character was such an interesting character. I wish that I wish the whole movie. I wish she was more involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly the two Keith Carradine songs. So "I'm Easy" is both written and performed by Carradine, and he, I, I think he also wrote "It Don't Worry Me." Obviously, it's not performed by yeah. him. The song from the end. Yeah. He, he also. Wrote I loved that, one. that. I liked "It Don't Worry Me" a lot. Yeah. I also like the, the the more rockish song that the 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 original trio that 
Tom was a part of played in the club when when he comes on stage and is like, oh, why don't the th- the other two people in my group come back, come on with me? I like that song a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that was my issue was with I'm Easy. Um, I really do not consider like, I mean, very few musicals have one best score. So I didn't really even think about like original songs. Because they wouldn't occur to me. necessarily be eligible because it's not new music. Oh, I guess. I guess that's a good point. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about it. But yeah, um, I, I said my, my vote was Jaws. I mean, the I think guy. it's probably Jaws. Next up, best supporting actor. Sam Rockwell. I have a technical question for you. Always. Is Tim Curry a supporting role? I I said no. I think he would. I I had him as best actor in the the running for best actor, personally. (gasps) Um. Okay. I think wherever he goes, he wins. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way I feel. That's about sort of it. my argument. Is like you could put him at either, and I think he wins. But I'm, I had like okay. So here I have two. I usually I sometimes just have two because I want to be a jerk. Um, my, it's I think Tim Curry in this day and age would probably get away with being nominated for best supporting actor. And that's my actual thing. But if we should want to hold it that to best actor, since it's a big I mean, Andy, award. it seems like I'm outvoted. And, yeah, what's your vote? Oh, do whatever you want. Well, when are we going to talk about Tim Curry? Like, are we, is, this, is this our opportunity? Go for it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to say that. My second one was, I mean, imagine we could talk about it. Was John I can Gazelle call up Staddy Five. He's, he's witnessed everything <laughs> from now until 2075. So I was really in between him, John Cazale and Dog Day Afternoon and Tim Curry and Rocky Horror with a third thing for Meatloaf and Rocky Horror, but that was oh, mostly geez. just a joke. Oh, I just like I just think that he's really great in that movie. Um, but yeah, so I so this is why Tim Curry beat John Cazale. Um it's just okay, so obviously it's like it's his movie and it's always been his movie, but and I think this is part of the benefit of like having it have been a show before and casting the person from the show is like he you just know from the second that he's there that he knows what a big deal it is. It's, it's like it's like he's coming back from the future to be like, this is going to be iconic. And you know what I mean? Like I've like that level. Of, and that's clearly because he played it on stage and knew it was iconic and knew it was iconic about it. Um. And he's not like doing an impression of anybody. Like it's him and it's his thing. And he's just, he's just so aware of it. And obviously like vocally, he's just so wonderful. I love his voice in that role. It's just like all of it's sort of like gravelly texture, but he has like a lot of good range and he can sound really good when he needs to. Um, He looks like fabulous in the clothes and that's the whole point, but like, he just looks so good in the clothes and 
he just, he like, obviously it's a very big character and takes up a lot of space, but objectively, like a lot of other characters in that are a lot weirder. Like the sort of Greek chorus of weirdos are weirder. Um, you know, the, just like the, the servants and stuff are servants, weird. Yeah. But he's just, there's something about him that's so grounding. Uh, he just owns the song so much. I, I just love him in that movie. I mean, obviously it's like famous. It's iconic. It's like, it's, I mean, there's no comparison. Um, the movie would suck so much if it weren't for him. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it would be it, it, that, that, that. I mean, that's the key to that. Like, there's no one in the history of the world that I can think of that would even get close to making to that performance. You know, like it is him, and he has to win whatever category you put him in. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. He has to win. So yeah, that's my argument for for that. And I guess like there are parts of the movie without him that are good. Obviously, Time Warp doesn't have him in it. But like, I mean, to say, but like nothing makes sense until he shows up. You know? Yeah. I mean, he might. He, I mean, nothing the makeup makes sense was wonderful. Either, but. but like he might have the like one of the most expressive faces. His eyebrows could like lift weights. Like they are the, the <laughs> craziest <laughs> eyebrows um yeah that's yeah i haven't i have him as my the my best actor so yeah okay two in a row i gotta feel like a real horse's ass what did you say well i said jack warden am i right or am i right I said uh, Jack Warden was in there for me. Yeah, I thought especially the turn he did, like the the party where he's like, oh yeah, where he. So he, I really expected him to just be angry and interacting with all these like hippies, and and he kind of is like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. <laughs> um, well, it's such a he's such a does such a good job, or you know, between. The directing and, and, and him doing the acting, I suppose, really captures well, I suppose, what you could call like a neo or a, not a neo, a proto Reaganite in that obviously he represents all of these horrible things. But it's like, oh, I could, you know, I could see him convincing me to go out and get a beer with him and I'd have a blast. Yeah, especially and he doesn't really get. His the last scene where he's at um, Warren Beatty's house and he's like kind of scaring him and he's like really yeah. throwing around his weight in a way that he doesn't he's he's kind of always reacting in the rest of the movie. Yeah, him like really expressing his power. Yeah, um, I love that. And like actually. toying with Warren Beatty is by far the best part of his performance. Like the yeah. most act like greatest acting he does is in that scene. Um, you really believe like, it too. I was, I was very scared for my little worn baby. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure. I, I love that part of the movie because, like, it's sort of like, um, because you were so refreshed. I was so refreshed. I just woke it up. <laughs> no, but like, because I actually saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I guess I, I'm sorry. I, 
I there's definitely a correlation for the fact that like these are the movies that I was most you know I was pregnant for seeing all of them and yes I slept through more of them but there's they're related um so my point is is that like it sort of has a very I mean we talked about the comparison between that and um I can't I remember the name of the Tarantino movie once upon a time in Hollywood once upon a time in Hollywood there's this sort of like anxiety of like who's really in charge who has the power all of that stuff. Is there that much change happening? And whereas once upon the time in Hollywood kind of ends of like, yes, like this is a new era, like, you know, new people will come and have power. I like how that movie ends with like, no, 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 no. Like these cute little, little babies could have their time with this son and think that they're real cool. But the same people who've had the power will always have the power for the rest of time. Like that's the way it's going to go. And yeah, I just think that that's cynical. Yeah. That's, it feels like, yeah, very much, you know, it's like almost like forecasting the eighties or it's like, yeah, we, we were having our little flower child moment, but like, do you know who's going to end up on top? People who are like rich and corporate and like conservative and buttoned up like period the end. Uh, so I like that part. I also be, and this was partially because I didn't, I th- didn't think he was that great in uh, Bonnie and Clyde. I didn't love that movie. Okay. The whole net uh, Warren Beatty as a like hot idiot, I think was, is the perfect part for him. <laughs> Like he just pulls it off so well. Yeah. Um, and he was my least favorite part of that movie. That might be true for me. I I like the there's movie a, lot a lot of great stuff in the middle. Um. But <laughs> but um. He saves yeah. all those kids from the fire. <laughs> in the in the exact. I middle only of slept the movie. for like five minutes. Um, that is inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I also really liked um, J War, J War. Um, I mean, I gotta give a shout out for Robert Shaw, <laughs> who kind of, who kind of like almost is doing like a, he considers himself to be just as important to that movie as uh. As Tim Curry does to Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> he's like back and being this is gonna be iconic. <laughs> uh, and I really appreciate wrong. that. Um, I think he's he's absolutely hilarious. I also I have a special place in my my heart for Robert Shaw because for for from Russia with Love was one of my favorite Bond oh, movies ever. Oh yeah, shit! And he's so good in it. He's so good in it. Um, in a way that really actually, because that's the really the only experience I've had with him. It threw me off for the beginning of this movie. Cause I was like, this is a weird, like reverse Sean Connery thing where he actually has a British accent trying to do Scottish or whatever. Um, um, and I also really liked uh, Richard Dreyfus in, I think yeah, both of them, they were such a choices. combo, especially cause the, the main actor is fine, but he's not, doing anything crazy and having the two of them especially for that last half of the movie um as the the like the the odd couple side characters i think works really well 
Oh, see, I disagree that Roy Schneider is like just fine. I think that Roy Schneider is like Schneider, such or Schneider, sorry, is such a just like zaddy. I don't know. No, but he's just like like that. Just that movie a presence. What? <laughs> zaddy. It's a zaddy. <laughs> oh no! What? What is? I don't know what that is. You don't know. You've, you're a high school teacher, and you've never heard zaddy. No. I'm not also, explain it to you. Don't talk about my work out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. I want to say my last name doesn't want us to talk about his work out loud. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it just, just feels natural. No, it's just it's just like a hot dog and a daddy type. Like, right. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he just is like like what, what you want in a movie like that is just someone like it's very similar to what's his name in The Exorcist, like just like a presence that you know is good you know and you know that he is like steady and on side of of right and you know whatever and so i I, and he just does it so well i just think that he's like such a good at that so i disagree with your roy shadow reading i'm no i'm i was more saying that he he is the the base he's the he's the zaddy base yeah, he's the zaddy base to he's what a, the other zaddy on the base of the built Sunday. off of, but he's not doing anything especially interesting. Like he's not veering off course like Robert Shaw does. No, 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 no. You know who's the steady base? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> did you give your best supporting actor? Yes, you did. Jaywar. And Rachel, yours was. Tim Curry. Tim Curry, if you let me. Um, Tim Curry, if you please. You. If you nasty. Tim Curry, if you nasty. <laughs> this isn't a bad thing. I'm very excited, but this is the least prepared I've ever been. So let's <laughs> see where it goes.